1: Once again, I'm super excited to introduce uh, Arla Locke here on the second episode of the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast. And Arla shared some fantastic insights when it comes to identifying and pursuing the next career advancement opportunity. I love hearing her say, you have to chase it. So if you're currently eyeing a new move, you're definitely going to want to hear her take on that. So in particular, you're going to learn some best practices when it comes to doing your homework to snatch that opportunity just how critical it is to be proactively chasing it, and some fun lessons learned that she picked up working as the chief of staff for two separate CEOs of Grant Thornton. And to get a visual perspective on some of these things and check out the transcript and some of the items referenced, go to awesomeatyourjob.com slash ep2, that's letters E-P, and then the number 2. So uh, Arla's story here, uh, she is a partner in audit services in the Chicago office of Grant Thornton. She has over 16 years of experience in public accounting, serving companies with revenues ranging from $4 million to $1 billion. From 2008 through 2010, she served as the chief of staff to the CEO of Grant Thornton LLP. In 2011, she received the Woman to Watch Award in the Emerging Leader category from the Illinois CPA Society. She's passionate about helping women rise into and succeed in leadership roles, and here she is now. Arla, thanks so much for coming on the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast.
0: Thanks for having me.
1: And this is a gorgeous office. I'm here now in the, the Grant Thornton headquarters, and I understand you just moved in here in October?
0: We did. We did. We were um, at 175 West Jackson, and now we're at 171 North Clark. So it's a very different space, much more modern and open, lots of light. People people really like working here, yeah. Well,
1: space. it's gorgeous, and I feel, I feel pretty fancy oh, uh, nice. to be here. <laughs> So you have had a pretty uh, quick and impressive, uh, I guess, rise to, to prominence and becoming a, a partner uh, at, a, at a young age, and that's that's pretty fun. But before we dig into that story, I'd like to hear a little bit of what are you doing or what's keeping you busy just for fun outside of the, the work professional services life?
0: Well, a, a lot of it is my daughters. So I mm-hmm. have two young daughters, um, Lily, who's four, and Violet, who's just about two. She'll be two in June, and uh, my husband. So when I'm not working, I'm spending a lot of time with family and trying to take the girls on adventures and, um, you know, give them a, as much of my time as I can.
1: Lily and Violet are, are great names. Is, is that the idea to keep a flower theme going? No, if more? it's so funny.
0: <laughs> we... Um, we, Violet wasn't even on the radar as a name when we had Lily, and then when we were pregnant with our second, we were trying to think of names, and I don't know, I, we just fell in love with the name, and then I was like, oh, is this bad? They're both flowers. Are people going <laughs> to think, is it going to be strange? But we we think it's cute. Well, I, I
1: prefer the, the flower theme to the everyone has the same first letter theme.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you got to pick one. Yeah, true. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, so... Well, that's fantastic and great to hear. And I'd love to hear a little bit of the story. So how did your career unfold such that you found yourself uh, in this spot at a pretty good rate? And and you've kept your sanity along the way.
0: So I um, I actually started my career with Grant Thornton right off campus. Uh, I was recruited from the University of Illinois. I- 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 ILL. <laughs> and And... Um, or INI. I got that wrong. <laughs> How did I get that wrong? It's a terrible <laughs> alumni. <laughs> I-N-I. Um, so anyway, we, I started it uh, right off uh, campus as an associate. And I mean, I didn't really know what I wanted to do long term. I you know, really liked accounting. I did well in my courses and you know, just really wanted to learn as much as I could and focus on um, getting as much experience as possible. And, you know, throughout my career, I've had a variety of different opportunities that were sort of, uh, kind of decision points. So as, uh, Uh, senior associate, I got the opportunity uh, to work for our firm in Australia for a summer. And um, I knew that Grant Thornton had these rotation opportunities. Um, That was one of the reasons why I decided to go work for Grant Thornton after um, college was because I knew they had these international rotation opportunities, and it really interested me. And so I really Sought after it and chased it, and when I was at the level that typically goes, um, I really, you know, threw my hat in the ring and really campaigned to try to, to try to get that opportunity, and and I ended up getting it. And so I spent about four months uh, working and living in Australia, and um, you know that was a really great, um, you know, op- you know milestone and um, part of my career that you know really helped. Increase my hunger for learning more about global business and, and understanding how the firm works on a global basis and those types of things. And um, shortly after that, I got promoted to a manager. And I worked as a manager um, for a while and made senior manager. And then um, I was sort of looking for something else. You know, I'd been doing audits for a while you know, I liked my clients, I liked what I was doing, but I had been doing it a long time and just was looking for something new and decided, well, maybe I should do another rotation type thing. And I started looking into what rotations were available. And there was an internal rotation that was becoming available because um, the person who was currently in it was from my office and I knew he was returning soon. And it was chief of staff to our CEO. Oh, fantastic. And so I, you know, met with him and learned a little bit more about what he was doing in that role and what it entailed and um, reached out to a couple of other people and really tried to understand, you know, what were the benefits? What could I learn? Would it be something different, something that I would be interested in? And um, after doing some of that homework, I decided, you know, this would be a really great uh, learning opportunity for me. And so I, again, you know, campaigned with my practice leader at the time. I reached out to another um senior manager who was like the first chief of staff the firm ever had about his experience and and before we know it i got um contacted by the ceo to interview me for the potential role and so i interviewed for it I got the position and I spent two years working with our CEO. And it was actually I the time that I was in the role was unique because it was during an orderly CEO transition. So our CEOs can only do two four-year terms according to the partnership agreement. And the current CEO was approaching the end of his second term. And so they were selecting a new CEO. So I worked with the outgoing CEO for about a year and then got to work for the incoming CEO for about a year um, in that role and was really um, the CEO's right hand. I was in all the leadership meetings. I got to see, um, I always joke, it's like I got to see how the sausage is made, mm-hmm. you know, behind the scenes of how partnership decisions are made and how partners become partners and what it means to be a partner and really learning about the back the back office of the firm and how it ticks and all of and beyond sort of the world that I had been exposed to before, which was very much Chicago audit practice, You know, I got to see nationally what the firm really looks like and even get exposure to more of the global organization through some of the um, international boards that the CEO participated in and being able to sit in on those meetings oh, as well. So it, that, that right there, um, that role really is what – Made my decision that I really wanted to stay at the firm and become a partner. You know, before that I had ebbed and flowed and trying to decide what I really wanted to do. But that role really made me see what Grant Thornton was about, what they were, what the firm really was interested in, and whether how we really stood behind our mission and our vision and driving for our people and um, the opportunities that were available and and so I really wanted that partnership role after that and so after I completed that rotation I came back to the Chicago audit practice and went back to doing audit work and for for a couple of years and then um, was lucky enough to uh, get promoted to partner.
1: Oh, fantastic. Well, that's a that's a fun journey and congratulations. I've got so many little follow-up questions there. Okay. So I'm going to try to organize a little bit. So it sounds like there there were two times in which you did some homework in a campaign and mm-hmm. one was before the uh, moving to Australia yep. and, and doing that opportunity and then the other time was with the, the chief of staff rotation. So mm-hmm. So it sounds like you've did a pretty good job of executing this homework and this campaigning. So are there any kind of pro tips or best practices associated with with undertaking those activities prior to transitions?
0: Well, I've, my number one tip is to make sure people know that you want those roles. All right. Um, you know, I think that so- sometimes people sit and wait for someone to hand them an opportunity and say, oh, we have this great opportunity. You'd be perfect for it. Here you go. Whereas... If you, you know, chase it and let, you know, if like I have a coach, uh, I I had a coach as I grew up in the firm, you know, Mm -hmm. that was assigned to me. I would let my coach know that I was interested. I would let my practice leader know that I was interested in the roles. I would talk to other partners I worked with and say, you know, this really sounds like a cool role. So everyone that I interacted with and whenever we talked about career, I made sure they knew that I was really interested in xyz opportunity so that if that opportunity be opened up i would be someone on fresh in their mind that they would think of to potentially put forward for that opportunity so i really feel like if you don't chase something or you don't let people know that you want to do something then you're you're it's going to be harder for you to get that opportunity because you yeah. ha- you have to go after it you have to be proactive and and chase it so that would probably be the biggest piece of advice that I would have on those. On the, the homework side, I think it would be, you know, making sure that you're talking to to all the people that you know who have done those things before. So, you know, like for the chief of staff role, I, I reached out to the person who was in the role at the time and I asked him a million questions about what's his day to day like, what does he do? What is the interaction? What's the exposure? Is he happy that he did the role? Mm-hmm. What are the benefits that he felt he got out of the role? You know, and just understanding his perspective. And while my experience was probably a little bit different than his experience, it still helps me make the decision that this was something I did want to chase and go after.
1: Oh, that's great! Well, it sounds like there's a, a fair bit of initiative and proactivity there in terms of you're you're really putting him through those those questions. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: Yeah, Yeah, I don't, I I don't hold back. I, you know, I kind of just go after it.
1: So good news. So I also want to hear about, so you said that they worked with two different CEOs. Mm -hmm. And so could you contrast a little bit? So I think sometimes when you think of CEOs, there, there's a little bit of uh, an image or like, Ooh, yeah. like, what's that? Like, it's like they're almost mythological, uh, beings or, or something. And then in my experience, uh, working at the beta, I, once I was in some meetings with CEOs, I was like, Oh, these are just normal people yes. who have reasonable questions and a, a set of strengths and weaknesses like the rest of us. Yes. So how would you maybe compare or contrast what you saw getting to experience uh, two CEOs and at what are some some takeaways from that.
0: Yeah, you know it was really interesting too because they're two very different people, um, both excellent, intelligent, wonderful people, but very different in their approach. And and the time when I was doing it was two very different times. You know, when I rolled into the role, we were coming off of. Um, you know, it was 2008. So the recession hadn't really hit yet. It was just starting. So and we had come off off a period of uh, about seven years of incredible growth. And we were in uh, a, a, the firm was in a position of acquisition and, um, you know, big growth numbers and doing really, really well. And then that CEO was on his way out and the recession hit and the new Mm -hmm. CEO came in right as the recession hit. And there was a lot of blowback in the recession. You know, the um, revenues dropped, you know, there was profitability um, challenges on engagements. And so he had to, totally shift and make decisions differently because of the environment that he was in. So it was really interesting watching the two of them deal with those things and there was a lot of change during that time, you know. So the C- the CEO that was outgoing he is currently our CEO of the the global organization, not just the US CEO, and he, you know, is an incredible collaborator and he brings people together and is Amazing at getting consensus from a group, and even if people have different points of view, bringing them to the same place, and they all walk out of the room, sort of you know marching to the same beat. And he he was so so good at that, and you can see it now in his work globally as he's working with all these different firms worldwide that have different cultures and different goals, and he he you know is bringing them all together under the Grant Thornton uh, umbrella. And then the incoming CEO. You know, a very articulate and incredible stage presence and, um, you know, just terrific to watch. You know, he just was an incredible leader and had this external focus on connecting with clients and and bringing um, – People to know that Grant Thornton is headquartered in Chicago, we're a Chicago company, and really putting Grant Thornton on the map in Chicago and, and, and seeing him manage uh, creation of his new leadership team and, and all of those things. So the experiences with them were very different because one was sort of leaving and the other one was coming in, so it was, it was really interesting to watch.
1: Well, so I'd also like to know, being up close and personal to Mm -hmm. the the CEOs, what are some takeaways that implemented how you do your work? Or or what are some things about how CEOs uh, think, act, lead, perform that made you go, oh, note to self, I'm going to start doing that?
0: Okay, so um, I think some of the biggest tips from watching the CEOs at work, one was how they interact with people one-on-one. You know, it was incredible to watch. You know, they had had to have these incredible difficult conversations in some instances um, because of the recession and everything mm-hmm. that was going on. And the way that they approached the individual made them feel like they were the only person in the room, had these difficult conversations, heard them, made them feel heard, and then could still get their point across of the you know difficult message. And I also think being able to read a room And knowing when, okay, there's a lot of discussion happening amongst this meeting and this group of people and knowing when to sort of come in and say, okay, we've discussed it. Here's what we're doing. Let's move forward. And sort of allowing the room to all have their input. But at the end of the day, it's the CEO's decision. So still making people feel like they're part of that decision, Mm -hmm. which they are. But at the end of the day, he's the CEO and he's saying, this is it. I'm – I'm making the decision. I've heard you all. This is what we're doing, and we're moving forward. And right. have it be, like, co- still feel collaborative and not just, like, the CEO's made a decision and we all have to follow, if that makes sense. And
1: it's a clear declaration often right there. Yes. Mm-hmm. As opposed to, oh, we're well, we going to chew on this, think about it, send an email out. Yes. No, or, decision made
0: mm-hmm. right there in the room amongst everyone while it's happening live, mm-hmm. you know, very um, decisive. So that was really interesting to watch. I also really enjoyed, you know, getting to know them personally and seeing how they balanced work and home because I think a lot of times when you think of a CEO, all you think about is that they work. They work constantly. And they do work a lot. And they have these crazy schedules that, you know, some days I didn't understand how they could even get through the day because it was back to back to back to back to back But they were both so incredible at prioritizing and making time for their families. And that really stuck with me. You know, at the time um, when I was working there, I wasn't married yet. I didn't have children. And, you know, being able to see – you know people that have achieved the you know in some cases the highest of the high related to as high as you can get in in your career and, um, you know, still making time bringing their daughters to work and, you know, scheduling time with them, taking them on vacations, you know, those kinds of things w- was, was really beneficial for me to see.
1: Well, that's great. Did you get a chance to to speak with them and see sort of what's their kind of internal uh, thought process or philosophy?
0: Yeah, we talked it about work? it a lot. You know, it was funny because the one would would say, you know, I remember – Early in my career, sort of sneaking out the back so that I could go coach my daughter's softball you know, mm-hmm. team and how much that's changed in the profession where now it's sort of like worn as a badge of honor. Like I'm leaving early to go oh, spend cool. time with my family and you know how he thinks that's a great thing and supports it and doesn't want people feeling like they have to sneak off for family commitments. Like it should all be part of – um, your life and your career should all be integrated, and and I think that helps a lot. Provide this flexibility that you know really has helped me succeed. You know, the flexibility piece is such a huge piece in order to be able to balance um, my career goals with my you know personal goals. So,
1: well, I'm glad to hear that they're that they're providing that here. And and so so, can you share with us? Do you have any particular uh, rules of thumb or, or habits or rituals? or guidelines that you use to to pull off that balance. Because I think professional services in particular is a tricky industry because sharp folks are paying a pretty penny yeah. for the accountants or lawyers or consultants or whomever to be available to them and, and and provide those services.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I mean, we're in a client service business, so we have to meet our clients' needs, and um, in a lot of ways that can be challenging. But in a lot of ways, it also provides an enormous amount of flexibility and autonomy. That any time in my career that I've had those moments where I've said, "Well, maybe I don't want to do this long term," and maybe I want to look at doing something else. Um, I've always made my pro list and my con list. And the biggest pro on that is flexibility and autonomy. And while I do have to be available for my clients, I can do that from anywhere. So that allows me to balance some of that, that home stuff, you know, and just personal things that I want to do. So for example, I have a busy season uh, right now. Yeah, is, we're approaching the end of that busy season. You know, um, you know, I'm an auditor, so uh, we have a lot of March 31st deadlines. We have a lot of April 30 deadlines, and then you know, there's deadlines in um, February, end of February as well. And so I'm working a lot from January through April. I'm working a lot of hours, mm-hmm. but I don't work the same every day. It's not getting at seven you know, leave at 8, it's get in at, you know, 7 some days, leave at 4, go home, spend a few hours with the kids and family, have dinner, put the kids to bed, work from 8 until midnight or Mm -hmm. some, you know, on some days. And so, you know, I'm still working a lot of hours, but I'm also carving out sections and pieces of my day to have that quality time with the family that is a super important priority to me. And... You know, I, I talk to my teams about it a lot because, you know, for some of them, it makes more sense for them to work from 7 until 8 every day because that's just what works for their schedule and that it's OK for others to work differently. And, you know, sometimes I'm working in the office. Sometimes I'm working at a client. Sometimes I'm working at home. Sometimes it's at Starbucks. Sometimes it's, you know, in the car while I'm waiting to pick up the kids with my hotspot, you know, catching mm-hmm. up on emails. So... Having a family changed how I had to work in order to be successful both professionally and personally. And so it it caused me to have to change the way that I work because I used to be a 7-to-7 person all the time, work straight through Mm -hmm. and work really all the time. But I just couldn't do that and also have the same goals for myself personally. And so being able to chunk up my day where I'm still – Accomplishing all the goals I want to for my clients, just maybe at different times, and still having that time for my family is huge. What
1: well, are your other pro tips on, on managing the, the work and family and, and preventing the burnout and staying uh, healthy and moving?
0: Well, I think um, you know the burnout thing is. For me, is keeping things new and different. So, mm-hmm. one of the really things that has kept me in this industry is because no day, no two days are the same. You know, I'm always at different places, working with different people, and dealing with different issues. And I feel like I'm constantly learning. I feel like if I went into a different, you know, accounting position um, that was in public accounting, that I would get bored, you know. Right. I feel like I need that challenge. I need to be constantly learning and doing new things and different things, and um, and this role really gives me that because no two days are the same. So I think finding finding those things that excite you and give you that um, drive to learn and want to better yourself and, and and do new things, I think is really important. You know, as you think about your career, whether it's accounting or, um, you know, teaching or whatever, whatever it is that, that makes you want to get out of bed in the morning and further develop yourself and your skills I think will go a long way because people will see the passion in you and people will see the drive and it will help to progress pro- progress your career
1: excellent well any final thoughts before we sort of shift gears and, and move rapid fire into the fast faves
0: um no, I don't think so. I think we covered pretty much everything.
1: All right. Well, let's let's kick it in then. Okay. Uh, can you share with us a favorite quote, something that inspires you again and again?
0: So I never get this quote totally right, but there's this Ralph Wal- Waldorf Emerson quote that starts with, um, finish the day and be done with it, and then it goes on. But to me, it's huge because um, you know every day has its good and bad things, and it's all about – you know, letting letting the past be the past and moving forward, and every day is a new day, and so that that has always stuck with me. Mm-hmm.
1: And how about a, a favorite study or experiment or piece of research that uh, you sort of think about or reference often?
0: So I, um, I mean, I do a lot of research into looking at. Uh, you know, women and how they progress in their careers mm-hmm. and what what makes them um, successful and what's holding them back, and you know, looking at the disparity in leadership of um, men versus women and those types of things. Um, so I I do read up on, on that quite a bit. Um, you know, obviously, Sheryl Sandberg's book That's is right. a great is a great book and source for that too.
1: That's there's a lot of fans, a lot of fans. Yeah. And well, I was going to ask next question about a favorite book. Is that it, or you want to go with another one? <laughs>
0: Uh, that's that's such a tough one because I read some business books, but I also read a lot for fun. Um and I do really love um, you know, kind of silly just entertaining books. So I've been I recently read the Divergent series I and was I think it's you were really going to say that. it's like, you know, <laughs> totally a high school book, but I just loved it. It was so much fun. It was really, really a fun book.
1: <laughs> I had a good time. I saw the first movie with my brother. He is an astrologer as in the Zodiac. Oh, really? And I, and I do Myers-Briggs workshops, so we're both interested in types. Mm. So we, we had fun with that one. Yeah. How about a, a favorite habit, any uh, personal practice you've adopted that's been extremely valuable for you?
0: Uh, for me, it's about uh, organization. So I always, every week, I try to make this list, and I have um, a to-do list, and I I put a line down the middle, and so on the list left is a list of tasks, and then I have a list of um, calls that I need to make and a list of conversations that I need to have that week. And so it helps me like think through my week of all the stuff I have to get done, but also not forgetting the importance of specific conversations I need to have mm-hmm. with people and then specific calls that I need to make with people. So that's kind of an organizational habit that I've gotten And so it's a into. weekly recurrence there, mm-hmm. all right? Yeah.
1: And how about a favorite uh, time-saving trick or, or means of accelerating your efficiency?
0: I mean – I utilize i utilize um outlook like crazy i mean my mm-hmm. my Microsoft outlook like it i have used the tasks in it I use the if it's not my calendar, I'm not gonna be there I use calendars reminders I use calendar to block out my time to make sure that I'm focused on something mm-hmm. so that nothing else pops into my day so I mean it's not um really super innovative or, oh, or oh, sexy yeah. but the outlook calendar is huge for me
1: Well, do you have any special approaches to how you use those tasks some people set it up in a gtd getting things done style what is it is it command shift k i use it on outlook for a little while new task
0: new task
1: you know the shortcut I would...
0: yeah I uh, you know it's really more the calendar so like the calendar is sort of rules my day and so I sort of take that to-do list, that weekly to-do list that I, I talked about that I do and then I map it to my calendar and sort of block out blocks of time of things that I have to do because then I'll focus on them because otherwise my office becomes like a revolving door yeah, right. of people and then I'm constantly picking things up and putting them down. So.
1: I hear you. And how about uh, a favorite uh, nugget or truth bomb that when you share with folks, maybe you're mentoring them or you serve as a subject matter expert, I see, uh, this Uh, recently, uh, something that you share with professionals that gets them sort of nodding or or taking notes or, or really connecting and resonating like, wow, thank you, Arla.
0: You know, I think the biggest thing is to is really to make sure that you and I talked about it earlier today is really chasing the things that you want. You know, I a lot of times have staff and seniors coming to me asking, you know, well, why did you choose this path or how did you get this opportunity? And they're kind of surprised to hear in a lot of cases that, well, I chased it. The mm-hmm. reason I got it is because I, I chased after it and went for it and made everyone in the world know that I wanted to do yeah. it. And, um, you know, that surprises them a little bit in some regard.
1: Surprises them like, oh, you didn't see them at like the time to chase Or, <laughs> or what ways is it surprise them? Um, I think
0: <laughs> just that – I think that it surprises them that – I had to chase it. Oh, okay. You know, that it was that it was something that if I that I really feel that if I didn't chase it that I wouldn't have gotten the that opportunity. It would have been sitting there watching somebody else go off and do that, you know, roll oh, or that's do that great. rotation.
1: Well that that is a key distinction. Thank you. Yeah. And how about a, a favorite role model, uh, someone you look up to professionally and why?
0: You know, I, and I mentioned her book, Sheryl Sandberg. I mm-hmm. think she is, you know, a great example of being a successful woman, but also managing a family. You know, she's been through a lot. I think she is putting herself out there as an advocate for women. She's gotten. You know, beat up a little bit by some women um, who don't necessarily agree with with some of her views. But mm. I do think that there's something to be said for someone putting themselves out there like the way that she did um, trying to help women succeed.
1: All right. And favorite way to find you. Would you prefer uh, folks uh, go to your, your page on grantthornton.com dot com or email or Twitter? What's would be your um, preferred probably, means of being contacted?
0: Probably email. All right. Yeah, so it's arla.lock at us.gt.com.
1: All right. And a final a favorite challenge or call to action that you'd like to leave listeners seeking to be more awesome at their job with? Uh,
0: I, and I think it goes back to chase what you want. You know, really make sure that if there's something you see someone else doing that you're interested in, talk to them, find out how they got it, ask them lots of questions, and then make sure that. Everyone that you work with knows that you're interested in something like that, too.
1: Oh, beautiful. Thank you. Well, Arla, thanks so much for taking the time. This was a, a joy and, and a lot of fun to check out your, your cool new offices. And we really appreciate uh, all you've done here.
0: Great. Thanks.
1: Fantastic. Well, I hope you're all the more inspired to chase it now. Again, if you want to check out the transcript or some of the references to things that she mentioned at Visually with links and such, you can find those at awesomeatyourjob.com slash Ep2, letters EP, then the number two, and we'll see you next time.
0: Thanks for joining us for today's episode. To get the most out of this conversation, visit awesomeatyourjob.com to find today's show notes, transcript, and infographic summary cheat sheet. For more entertaining professional skill sharpening, be sure to subscribe to catch the next episode of How to Be Awesome at Your Job.